Welcome to the Illuminating Lives podcast. I'm your host, Israel Smith, and I'm here to share conversations with you about what it means to illuminate our own lives, to be comfortable in our vulnerability, to truly love and value ourselves, and then to be able to use that to light up our own life and shine that light with the people we love and care about the most. This is going to be messy, it's going to be vulnerable, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Welcome. Let's get started. All right, welcome to Dad's Guide to Thrive, your podcast and video series about what dads need to be their best, normalizing the reality that dads often struggle and that we sometimes need to just get some help to overcome challenges we're facing for all the responsibilities we wear as men, as dads, as partners, and all of the above. So today I'm joined by a relatively new friend of mine, Scott Rayler. Scott is both a visual artist and a video producer working at a university in Queensland and also is a father relatively recently and is just a lovely, gently spoken man who I've been really looking forward to chatting with. So, Scott, thanks heaps for joining me. Welcome to the party. Hi, Israel. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for the introduction too. It was really nice. <laughs> Look, I, I do my best to butter everyone up so they feel good about getting de- you know, down into the depths of, of, of struggle and pain later on. Um, <laughs> look, I'm, I just for, for everyone listening, I know a little bit about you and your background, but why don't you share a bit more about what you do as an artist, about your family, the work you do. Just give us kind of a, a broad brushstroke overview of who you are as a person. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, yeah, with my in my work life, I, I work at um, Queensland University of Technology, as um, as you said. So, um, I'm, I'm I do a few roles there. It's like um, I, yeah, I, I, I sort of say myself I'm a, I'm a videographer, but yeah, I do producing there. Um, I shoot camera, I record sound, I edit, um, I look after the camera gear, I, all that kind of stuff. So tech maintenance and that kind of stuff. Do a bit of directing as well. So. Yeah, there's there's many hats which which I really like as I like variety. You know, I, I get a little bit bored if I just do sort of one thing. So it definitely suits me down to the ground. And then um, outside of that, yeah, I, I um, I'm into visual art and music and that kind of stuff too. So I I sort of I took photography pretty seriously for a while there about ten years ago. I sort of I did it at school and. Um, yeah, kind of didn't really follow through because uh, I don't know. In, in my early sort of twenties and that kind of stuff, I was too busy socialising and partying and that kind of stuff. And then <laughs> I sort of um, I have got back no into idea it. what you're talking about. Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure you don't. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, things sort of changed for me when I went overseas. Um, so yeah, just saw a completely new world and it, it opened my eyes to to many things and. I just wanted to know more about everything. So, yeah, I kind of got right into photography and um, then I sort of shifted away from that into into the film world. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I do on, on the outside of that. So I do, yeah, a few short films, that kind of stuff, video, uh, music videos and then a bit of photography in between. So that keeps me pretty busy. Um, and then with my, um, with my family, I've got – a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Violet, who is just full of beans, uh, keeps us on our toes every single day. <laughs> so much energy, I can't, I just can't believe it. It's, it's hardcore. But, um, yeah, she's great. She's just the light of our lives. And I have a wife, Charlotte, who's, yeah, who's a couple of years younger than myself, 30, going on 37. I'm, I'm going on 39. And, yeah, we live in Brisbane. Um, she's, she works for the government. She studied creative writing. Um, and so she's, she loves horses and she's got that kind of very creative background. So who knows what I'll take it with our little one, Violet. Uh, I can't wait to see where Violet ends up with both parents being really creative and artistic types, but also having that sort of groundedness of, I guess, university is not really public sector, but it's still very sort of institutional in a sense, right? So you've kind of got that great grounding of that and that stability of those sorts of roles. I loved when you were talking earlier about your your work as well. And I was thinking this guy is such a creative and an artist person where you need things to be quite interesting and diverse and constantly moving. Like can relate to that myself. I used to be a professional photographer for about 11 years and 
and I've, I'm on like career four and I'm only 44 <laughs> myself. So, you know, I completely get it. Like we sort of like to go, okay, that was fun. Now what's the next adventure, you know? Yeah, so, totally. And, uh, and parenthood. Parenthood is one of those adventures too, right? So it's, um, it's I think the, the fascinating thing for me, and, and tell me if this resonates, but my wife and I have um, two kids and we found particularly when they were young that we sort of reached a point where we realized we'd have a child and then it'd take probably two years for life to come back to some sort of normal because it took us that long to kind of figure out what the hell we were doing and, and what the new family dynamic was and how to manage it and all of that. Did you find something similar with Charlotte when you first had Violet? Yeah, definitely. It was it was like, it was full on. It was just kind of like a slap in the face almost. <laughs> we, we sort of, because for years before, we'd, we'd sort of been talking about, yeah, do we have kids, do we don't? Because we really enjoy ourselves. Like, we, we, we get along so well as a couple. And um, we just really enjoy our time together. And so, you know, Charles was pretty mm. hesitant at, at the beginning to, to dive into motherhood. And she's never, she's never been that one to, you know, she's never been that one who's been like, oh, I can't wait to be a mother. And so... We talked about it for a while and then it sort of came to the point and we were kind of like, look, you know, we're not getting any younger. Let's just do this, you know. And so, we did it and Mm. pregnancy was good. Like, the the, the lead up to the birth was great, you know. We we did a little, um, like, uh, hypnosis and that kind of stuff. My wife got into hypnosis just to help with the birth and calm birthing and that kind of stuff, which was great. And then we sort of- yeah. Yeah, did all did all the right things, you know, and up to the birth. And the birth was great. It went really smoothly. And, yeah, it was just, you know, Charlotte was kind of like, I can't do this. But she ended up doing it. And it was like this, this huge momentous occasion, as you know. And then, um, yeah, yeah, once once the reality set in of, okay, we take this, this is our little bubba. And we take her home from the hospital now, this, like, safety net. We're just like, holy shit, what do we do, you know? And so- <laughs> the reality sunk in when we got home and it was like, okay, we're on our own, you know? And, um, mm. yeah, I I sort of – I watched Charlotte. She struggled a, a fair bit and it only got worse as it went on. And being who we are, we, we sort of – and Charlotte's folks live close by, which is great, but – it was kind yep. of like we didn't want to bother them. We didn't want to reach out to them and bother them too much. And they're not the kind of parents who just get involved and just like come in and say, right, we're going to take charge. They wait for us to ask. And so they sat back and we just, we didn't ask and we took things on. And yeah, it was, it was quite difficult. And, um, you know, Charlotte had to spend yeah, many hours breastfeeding and, and at home with this little bubba, you know, and, and, and trying to sort of figure out, am I doing the right thing? What, why is she crying? What's, it, what's going on? Is she hungry? Yeah, all these sort of things that mothers go through that, that I'll never understand. Yeah. Um, and and it, got, it got pretty difficult there. Hey? And sort of my, my upbringing was I watched my dad who worked two jobs to raise the family and, and he was all you know, pro work. You've got to work hard to get ahead. Work hard, put in, put in the hours now and then you can retire. You know, and so he look. He sort of earned the money. <clears throat> he was the head of the family. Mum was the stay-at-home mum, and she looked after th- you know four boys basically. And so, yeah, I, I sort of took it on my shoulders to go right. Okay, well, I, I've got to, I've got to dig in here, and I've got to uphold the family. So Charlotte's down. It's my responsibility to take charge here, and and that put an awful lot of pressure on my shoulders. You know, and so I, I yeah, it was it was quite difficult in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I should clarify something. Like when you first said, you know, there was that feeling of, oh, shit, once we took the baby home, I laughed. And certainly wasn't to diminish the the reality of that. It was more of just an acknowledgement that, yeah, I remember that. And I can look back at that going, holy shit balls. We had no idea what we were in for when we took those babies home, right? So so it was yeah. more out of solidarity than out of like, oh, totally. it's like the, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I also want to... Um, I want to touch on a few things that you said there. So, first of all, 
we learn what we get taught by our parents. And so the way our fathers operate as men is like the template of how we should operate, should quote unquote, operate Mm. in our own lives. So I completely hear you when you said that, you know, your dad was the guy that just went out and did all the working and left all the child rearing to your mom and, 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 you know, everything was like, it was all work and take care of the family financially and that kind of stuff as the highest priority. And then whatever, whatever life could kind of squeeze around the edges of that often our dads, that's all they could do. That's all they would spare for themselves, if at all. Um, yeah. And I get that that's a model that has worked successfully for a while and in certain generations past, but I definitely realize personally, and I'm sure you're in the same boat now where you sort of go, you know, that model doesn't quite work anymore in the modern world. We want to actually participate in our kids. We want to raise them ourselves with our partners. We want to be involved more and go to more school performances and sports carnivals and all the stuff that, you know, because I think we've recognized as a a society, but also just men individually, that we don't want to have kids so we can never see them. We want to have kids so we can be a father and be involved in their lives. And it's really interesting because it does create this fascinating tension and this difficulty about how do we reconcile a need to make money and a need to provide for our family, especially in the early phases where um, the the child's mum is just like full-time nursing, bathing, changing, sleeping, trying to rest, trying to nourish and nurture themselves through this chaotic roller coaster. And then there's also the part which, you know, we've touched on a little bit. You also um, mentioned before our call that that Charlotte was suffering a bit with, um, you know, I guess some mental health challenges through the early phases of having Violet. All of these things, like you just sort of sit there and go, they didn't say anything about this in postnatal or prenatal classes. Like they didn't talk about any of that stuff, right? Like it's this, totally. and I've said this in the past and possibly even on a previous episode, like, you know, the, the antenatal classes about like, here's what happens, even the calm birthing stuff. It's like up until the point that the baby pops out healthy and, and you know, you cut the cord and then off you go. And then after that, it's like, what? There's no template. There's no <laughs> class on on how to how to look after your own mental well-being in the face of like three hours sleep a night and disrupted schedule and extra responsibilities and societal pressures and all the rest of it. And and on top of all of that, we sort of find ourselves trying to go, well, what's the emotional model here and, and what, what am I supposed to do and then what's right for me and what's the right fit to the family and where are the support structures and all of that? Like it's a really fascinating blind spot that I think I've certainly been observing. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm a fair way down the path from having my kids now. My youngest is 11, but um, I don't know whether that's been addressed much in terms mm. of preparation for what it's like to become a new parent. No, like I, I completely agree. And like you said, the antenatal classes are all like, you know, preparing you for the birth. And then a lot of the women in there are like, okay, so what drug's going to have? You know, like I can't, I'm not ready to, to stand this pain. <laughs> you know, it's full on. And so, I'm sorry, again yeah. the laughter. No, no, you, I'm seeing you, you're just relating to it all, you know. So it's just, it's, it's one of those things. And, and like you said, you know, Charlotte did go down a, a pretty dark path. You know, she was uh, diagnosed by a doctor with postnatal depression. And and for me, that was like a really big challenge because, again, I was kind of like, how do I fix this? I need to fix this. I'm the mm. head of the family. I need to do something about this and take care of my wife, you know. And so, again, when things yeah. weren't working, then I'd take it personally and it was my responsibility and all this pressure, you know, and it was just something I had to give, basically. And, um, yeah, we, we're kind of lucky we got through it. We we ended up just digging in and we ended up asking for help for, from Charlotte's folks because, again, they were, they were always there. They were just waiting for that word. And then as soon as we said the word, then they jumped in, you know. So, And, we, and also, yeah. too, on that, we didn't um, – we didn't really – we don't really have any close friends who have kids our age either. So, again, for Charlotte, it was like this sort of solitary pursuit where she couldn't confide, like, you yeah. know, she could confide in her friends, but their friends just didn't understand what she was going through, you know. So, again, that was quite difficult. Um, but, yeah, she, she's pushed through. She pushed out the other side and she's been doing the mental work and the, and the internal work and she's, she's just an awesome mum, you know. She's just so good. And 
there's there's never any doubt that she was going to be a great mum, you know. And 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 Violet's just getting just getting an amazing mother. So yeah, really happy that we pushed through the yeah. other side of that. It's really amazing too. Like, um, I think we <laughs> there's so much, right? So so firstly, to your point about the mums just going right. So so what drugs can you just dose me up on? You know. <laughs> Uh, to me, that speaks to like an underlying thing in society that we're not comfortable feeling uncomfortable. We're really not comfortable with the prospect of pain, with this, this idea that, that things might hurt and that's normal and that's okay, you know? Mm. And I remember like <laughs> my, my wife and I did also like a hypnobirthing, calm birthing style process before our first and I wasn't invited back um, after a little while because I kept <laughs> snoring through the sessions. I'd get so relaxed. I'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd be, I'd be just KO on the seat next to my wife, and, and I remember them saying, "Oh, we just looked and went, oh, he obviously needs his rest. Off he goes, whatever." But um, <laughs> and they'd carry on with it, and I'd be out cold. However, um, that part of it, I remember vividly. There was there was a strong, uh, oh, what's the word? There was like a focus or a reframe that it wasn't pain. Firstly, it wasn't pain; it was sensations. Right, so that's mm-hmm. like a huge piece, and actually, a really um, one of my closest cousins that I grew up with has chronic kind of um, uh, oh, what is it? He has like chronic migraines and chronic nerve pain and stuff as a result of some stuff that happened when he was a kid, and just cannot work full time as a consequence. Now he has to be, you know, has he's a, a stay at home dad, stay at home single dad actually, and just anyway, one of the things he told me is that it's a formula. He said pain. Sorry, sensation plus emotion equals pain. So I was like, oh, wow, that's a really fascinating breakdown. He said, yeah, if you take the emotion out of it, then it's no longer pain. It's just a sensation in your body and you can start to look at it objectively. So I think to the thing about the the calm birthing, the hypnobirthing, it really is about the mum-to-be training her mind to acknowledge that there will be some sensations that her body is presenting and one of the ways you can interpret it is pain. Another way you can interpret it is as this is what my body needs to feel for me to bring this baby into the world. And, you know, Mm. each sensation, I remember one of the mantras my wife had was each sensation is bringing my baby closer to me, you know, bringing my baby closer to being born, being in the world. And it was this beautiful, beautiful Mm. reframe. Yeah. So many of us, and I think I'm talking too about men here, not just about women, right? But we... In our society, we live in such a comfort zone that we don't want to feel uncomfortable. We don't want to feel pain. We don't want stuff to hurt and feel hard. Mm. But I don't know how you feel about this, but I personally feel like that's a huge disservice to what's what we're really capable of. And I mean, seeing a woman go through labor and birth a child um, and all of the physical challenges that come from that and then seeing what you've witnessed and what you know I've certainly witnessed in my wife um, helping me go through my own journey of mental illness and recovery, we're far more capable than we realize. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree 100%. <laughs> like you said, when you, when you watch your wife go through this, it's like, man, there, there's, just, there's these deeper places that we can go. And like you said, it's, it's kind of it's, it's an uncomfortable place to be and we don't like discomfort. So we sort of steer clear of it rather than just going, pushing through it and, and letting it sort of wash over us, I guess. So, yeah, that, that's a great, yeah. that's a great point. I, I guess I kind of, in some way, in some way in my mind, somewhere, not, not consciously, but in some way, I'm just kind of like, okay, if my wife can do it, then I can do it. And so there, there aren't a lot of resources too for guys, um, you know, there's no formula for us. There's no, there's no textbook that says this is how you have to be a dad. This is how you support your wife. This is what you're going to go through. You know, there's, there's no calm birthing for dads. There's no, like you said, there's no calm birthing for dads. It's kind of you're there to support. You, you're kind of seen as this like support mechanism for for the whole birth, and and, and rightly so. Mm. It is it is about support, but it's it's also we we need to take care of ourselves too because we're we're needed in this it's 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 like a team effort we're both needed so when when your wife is in need you that's when you jump in and you and you 
you do what you need to do. You do what you have to do to take care of your daughter. And, and, and in that way too, like what you were saying before in terms of wanting to, to not buck the trend, but wanting to be more involved in our, in our kids' lives differently than our, than our parents did because, you know, they learned from their parents. There's no yeah. like pointing the finger. There's no blame. But they've learned what they've learned from their folks and they're just, yeah, moving it down the line. But I think a lot of pe- lot more people are becoming, you know, um, conscious of, of a changing world and a changing environment and different roles. Like when it's not set in stone, our roles anymore. And I, I love being there for yeah. my daughter, you know. I love, I love hanging out with her. I love being with her and I want to be a big part of her life. And, and ultimately, same, my wife says the same thing. Charlotte says the same thing. We want, to, we want to create this atmosphere for our daughter to be able to come to us with any problems, big or small, to, to talk to mm. us about it. Because I know for me, there's no way I would have talked to my parents about, you know, going to parties and doing what we did at parties and that kind of stuff. It was kind of like, I'll keep it hush-hush because I, I just don't want them to yeah. think that way about me, you know. But knowing what I know, I, I would love Violet to come to me and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life, you know, and- and feel feel comfortable with that. Yeah. So it's really, um, firstly, really amazing, and I completely concur. Like that's the same sort of approach I've taken with both my kids. That even, I mean, I, I respect that there are things that, particularly my fifteen-year-old daughter, doesn't want to talk to dad about. She wants to talk to mum about it. I'm like, okay, I get that. I don't want you know. I don't want to force this on you, but I sure. do want her to have that relationship with me where where there's a, a level of openness and a level of confidence that she can come to me about anything, that she can talk to me about absolutely anything that's going on in the world. So, yeah, I mean, the parenting piece, I feel like that's just this enormous um, ongoing and ever-evolving journey that we, we go on. Like once we choose to become parents and – you know, for both of us, it sounds like we've taken a very similar approach of like wanting to be the best version of a parent that we can. Mm. That's a journey that we kind of take on until you keel over, right? Like that's always going to evolve. And I think it's it's also really amazing. Um, I know you mentioned to me before the before we started that uh, your mum lives a long way away from Brisbane. Um, coincidentally, she's about 40 minutes away from me at Southwest Rock, so <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. far from there. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but your wife's parents are close but still sort of stood back until they were asked for help, which I think is really powerful and a mm-hmm. beautiful um, respecting of your boundaries and respecting of this is your journey. Like those, you know, Charlotte's parents have – and I'm contrasting this to my experience that my mum told me about her parents who, when I was a kid, would be turning up on the drive home from work every night <laughs> at like 5 or 5.30. And, and my mum's like going out of her skull because it's it's bath time, feed time, bedtime. And like, and they're like, hi, how is he today? You know, they're just rocking up at the front door. She's like, get the out of my house. I don't <laughs> need this right now. You know, could you imagine? But... <laughs> So I think it's really to be to be celebrated, I guess, in a way that um, that Charlotte's parents went, okay, we're here, but we're not going to force, we're not going to impose. You need to ask, and then we will absolutely step up and give you everything you need and everything you ask for. Yeah. But yeah. it raises another point, which is the piece about asking for help in the first place. Mm. And I feel like that specifically is something I'd love to just talk to you about and find out where you are on that. And I guess what you've learned over the course of the last two and a half, three years from the latter stages of the pregnancy through to where you are now with Violet, what Mm. you've observed in Charlotte, what you've observed in yourself about asking for help and about your behaviours and patterns around that. Because I feel personally like that, um, there's so much tied up in that about our perception of like of ourselves as men of of our strengths and or weaknesses about you know relying on people and all of that so far away how do you feel about the asking for help piece and what have you learned yeah great question yeah there's uh, i've learned that there's a balance like with everything right there's a balance in life and so i I completely i love charlotte's folks because of, of their ability to stand back but always we're here, you know, where my mum 
wants my mum wants the best for us. Of course, she you know she loves us. We're we're her children, right? But she's she's got that controlling quality about her where she's like, you're like you're still my baby. I want you to do this, but I want you to be careful about it, you know. And 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 I don't know if you should mm. do this, you know. And and it's really quite constricting. And so when she comes to stay with us too, it she does hang back. It's not like she comes in and she goes, right, this is what I'm going to do, which is which is fine. But it's also too that there's this kind of thing where you bring mum in and then there's another person in the house, right? And so because she lives not far from you, she she'll come and stay with us for for weeks on end, and so. That puts pressure on Charlotte. She's trying to raise Bubba. She's trying to be mum. She's trying to do her thing. But there's also another presence in the house where we have to make her feel at home. We have to cook. We have to do all these sort of things too, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a it's a big balance. So somewhere in the middle of that and Charlotte's folks is the ideal. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what that is, but I think it's like the perfect place. But what I've observed about how we've sort of grown through this is because we've been through so much pain let's let's call it pain and sensation and and different sparks of energy we now have gone and done work on ourselves so i know you through a, a coaching course um that we've we've found a guy online jim Fortin. he's he's um, a big spiritual coaching teaching course and and i've taken that on to to dive deeper into myself because I'm I'm looking for deeper connections with life, with myself, with life, and I, I just kind of always knew things are missing and and all this kind of stuff right in my life, but I never really understood responsibility and accountability, true accountability, true responsibility until I started doing the work on myself, mm. and so I can now see that asking for help is just a limitation from from me. It's it's a story that I've created in my mind. It's a limiting belief, and now I've got the power to change that. Right, so it no longer is a problem. Can I just clarify me. on that? Sorry. Yeah. Sure. So, oh, okay. Sorry to interrupt. So I was just going to ask. So, so what no. you're saying is, for you now, you've realised that it's okay to ask for help. It's no longer like you no longer attach all those extra stories to it. What what would you say are some of the stories you were previously attaching to? Mm. I need help, please. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, yeah, it, to clarify that, it's like the old stories would have been like, well, you know, you're not doing the job as as a dad. You know, you've you've you're the head of the family. You need to take care of this. This is your responsibility. And so, asking for help is a sign of weakness, right? It's like, what are people going to think of me? Mm. Am I doing a good job? Am I not good, doing a good job? All these stories that you just—it's it, it, like a rabbit hole. Once you start going in those things, they just lead yeah. you down it. A path of of darkness, let's say, and so it was just yeah. having the ability to say, "Hey, look, these are just stories," and asking for help is is empowering other people because they want to help. They're just waiting for you to ask, and so there's no shame yeah. in it. There's no there's no guilt. Like there's no problem, and so and and also too, looking at it from the other side of, of Violet growing now, she loves hanging out with her parent uh, grandparents. You know, she loves hanging out with other right. people and it gives her a, an opportunity to develop a, a deeper relationship with her parents, like grandparents, sorry. So, yeah, we've both kind of come to that realisation from doing a bit of inner work and just shedding some limiting beliefs and it's so much easier. <laughs> it's just, The weight is just lifted off our shoulders, you know, pressure is gone and and any opportunity we can get to hang out, me and Charlotte, we'll, we'll go, right, let's, let's ask your folks if they can if Violet can case stay with them for the night so we can just go hang out together. And it's great. That's fantastic. So so what I'm hearing, if I can kind of reflect back this to you, is that first of all, the work that you did personally helped you identify, and I can also completely relate, and I've spoken about Jim's work previously, both on my podcast and in the previous episodes of these interviews. Um okay. One of the great things is the week on stories and interpretations where you start to identify that, wow, we just make up stories about things that happen in our lives all the time. It's like we're constantly the storyteller narrating our own existence, not necessarily factual, not necessarily true, but we're just telling these stories. But we make ourselves believe the truth or that they are the truth. And then that just sort of is like a lens that we wear that interprets and filters everything we experience. So it's it's fascinating, yeah. I agree. When you start to pull those away and go, hang on a minute, that's a load of crap. That's not actually the truth. That's not a fact. Yeah. 
I don't yep. have to believe that anymore. I can make up a new story. Um, yeah, yeah. So that I think is is awesome. And I, as I said, I love Jim. I love the work that we've learned there. But one of the things I wanted to get to was as you started to pull these stories away, you kind of reframed it and went, well, if I ask for help, then I'm giving the people in my life the opportunity to support me, to demonstrate and show their love for me. Mm. And it's also giving me the gift of, you know, someone to lean on because I can completely relate trying to carry the whole bloody shebang on your own shoulders, like we're not an island, right? Like, you know, it's work, child rearing, looking after your wife who's obviously having a hard time as well, earning the money, dealing with the pandemic, all of the stuff. Mm. There's a lot to try and balance on our own shoulders and we need a support system for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. And so that process for you of going, oh, it's not weakness. It's actually I'm empowering other people to support me. I'm giving them the gift of being able to show their love and support for us. Added bonus, you and Charlotte get some more one-on-one time as parents. You don't have to have Violet hanging around the entire time. So you get to nurture and nourish what it means to be a couple still, even as parents. Yeah, It's all upside from my perspective. I just wanted to sort of reflect that back <laughs> and labor over that point that asking for help is the single best thing you can do if you're having a tough time. So to any of the mums or dads listening especially the dads because you know we think we're the hero of our own journey and we're you know it all has to be done by us or it has no value yeah out of bullshit i'm calling it you know it's okay to ask for help that was the single turning point in my life when i was at my worst with depression asking for help and admitting Mm. like the step just prior to that of like admitting that this is not normal i'm not coping i'm not okay and i can't figure out how to get out of this you know yeah and then ask for help it's so powerful yeah, totally. And it's it's like I said, it's that pressure valve. It just releases the pressure. And once you start doing that, I, I guess you just, you you learn by the experience. Okay, I've done this once. Cool. Like nothing bad happened. No one thinks anything bad of me. It's just, it's just me. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, well, let's try this again. I didn't yeah, die. Do it. Yeah. The yeah. judgment police weren't at my front door waiting to pound me. You know? like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Charlotte's not waiting to give me a divorce because her parents think that I'm weak or something. You know, it's like, it's just nothing oh, bad's exactly. happened. It's like it's all good. And like you said, it's they're, they're keen. They they want to step in. They they want to help out. And even my mum, when she comes to stay, like there was a point where I I you know Charlotte was in the thick of it. Right, she was in the thick of her depression. And I just got on the phone to my mum and I just said, Mum, can you come and stay for some weeks? You know, and she said, Yeah, of course, I'll be there. I said, Look, things aren't going well at home. Charlotte's not coping. Can you give us a hand? And she was on the first train, you know, and she came and she just took yeah. that pressure off us, you know, and regardless of all the other things that happen and that have happened before, you just let it go. You've, you, there's got to be a point where you just let go, surrender and just go, all right, I, I need some help here. And once you do that, it's just, it's so much, uh, it's just so much easier and so much, uh, mm. you just have a, a happier time. Like everybody's involved, like you said. So there's there's no there's yeah. no um yeah, there's no pressure needed. So you used a really powerful word, surrender. Tell me mm. in your words what that means to you and how you now see that in the context of this journey that you've been on as a new dad or newish dad a couple of years down the road. Yeah, it's 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 something I'm still learning now, like I just it, like I feel like when the tension builds and it's in the pit of your stomach and there's this this kind of control going on, you know, like sort of spinning around you. It's it's like you're kind of trapped in your own sort of body. I guess it's like once you can just take take back a little bit of control for for your own self and just release, and you start to release, and and it's a physical sensation of releasing. That's what I know is to be surrendering. It's it's no matter what stories are are popping up or you know what anybody says about yourself and all these kind of things. It's just no, I'm taking time for myself. I'm getting quiet and I'm just going to release and surrender. And it's it's the same with parenting. So there's there's lots of times where you know there's an outcome that I would like Violet to achieve. Let's say yeah, and 
yeah, it's something simple like putting your shoes on to go outside because it's raining. She doesn't want to wear her shoes. And it's like there's this tension that builds up and it's and then there's this voice in my head. It's like, oh, no, man, I don't want to sound like my mum. So this is the point where I go, all right, surrender, let go, you know, just let it go. Everything's yeah. going to be cool and she'll 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 learn by her own experience. If she goes outside and she hurts her feet, she's going to learn that shoes protect your feet or yeah these sort of simple things so that yeah. for me is what surrender means it's just it's just letting go it's releasing tension i love that it's so funny too because i didn't remember this until you used the phrase release and surrender like i have a bit of a couple of kind of woo-woo practices and one of them is i pull <laughs> a few angel cards most mornings before i start work anyway um for those of you watching this on on the video channel you'll see the card i'm holding up this one came uh-huh. up to me today, release and surrender. Yeah. And, um, and, and yeah, it's literally just a, a reiteration of everything you've said. You know, this card mm. says, we shower you with blessings of our radiant love. Open your arms, release the challenges that you've held tightly gripped within your hands. Open your hands, arms and heart to our love and assistance. And that could apply equally to angels or to the universe or to god or faith or whatever it is you lean upon but it can also apply to the people we care about that are in our lives right like and i think this is just this beautiful theme i'm discovering as we chat more that there's so much assistance and support right around us and Mm. there's like this this um flow that when we really just let go of all of our own crappy expectations and and you know fears of judgment and all the other stuff we tend to carry around sort of unconsciously like you say when when violet goes no i don't want to wear my shoes you go okay this is an opportunity for all of us to learn and grow this is maybe me learning what it feels like to just let go a little bit and her learning what it feels like to step on a rock and go ouch you know whatever it is (laughs) (laughs) but it's just it's so so good um there was a point I wanted to make too, which I think, especially for the men listening, and and as a you know, two two men, two dads sitting here, particularly on the asking for help thing, right? One of the things I've come to learn is that when we, um, whenever we put ourselves in the position of someone who wants to offer support, when we see someone struggling, particularly like another mate, right, like another man, another bloke, we see them struggling. We want to help them, right? If, if someone was to ask us, well, if you saw, you know, a good mate of yours really having a hard time, would you help them out? You'd be like, yeah, for sure. Like in a heartbeat, you know, I'd be there. I'd help them out. I would absolutely support them. I'd, you know, cook dinners or I'd go like pick up their dog and take it for a walk or I'd do whatever it took, you know, I'd, I'd spend time being there to listen. And yet <laughs> when we have hard times ourselves, we don't necessarily follow the same path. We would go, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to impose. I don't want to kind of put any pressure on them. So it's that that kind of beautiful conflict and that tension between as men, we want to, um, we want to be supportive to others, but when the mirror gets turned upon us and we're ready to ask for support and assistance, we can't. So from that, when we're in that position where we're the ones needing help, how would you help the dads listening to this reframe that so that they can think about, well, maybe I should just ask for help? Mm, yeah, yeah, good question. Yeah, it's like we, like you said, reluctant, say, we're, we're reluctant to be a burden on anybody else, but it's like, I guess it's hard because until you go through it, you don't you don't realize. I guess you have to experience this kind of uh, this pain. I guess to 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 get to the other side of it and this discomfort to get to the other side of it and go. Well, I don't wish that on anybody else. I don't wish that on my friends. You know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there and I'm just gonna ask for help and see what happens. You know, because that like I guess like. So either just keep going through that pain, keep going through it and, and never actually coming out the other side. You just keep going in this wheel or just go through the pain, get to the other side and realize that it's not as bad as what you think. 
And mm. you know, like what I was what I was thinking was is my one of um Charlotte's best friends, Kat, she's just about to have a bubba. And one of the things that Charlotte's gone and done now for for like, you know, some sort of gift to her is she's organized a um, a meal train. So she's got together with like all of her other friends and she's found it online somewhere. I don't know where she found it. Amazing. And and basically there's a roster. It gives you a roster and people like friends plug in when they when they would like to, you know, um cook a meal for for them. And you just put, oh, wow. plug in the date when you want to drop it off. And so you cook the meal and you turn up and then they've they've got this huge downstairs um section to their house. So, you know, if if Kat's not feeling it and she doesn't want to have a chat, then you just drop off the, the food downstairs and off you go, you know. So and then while you're there you can chuck a load of washing on or you can do all this kind of stuff. So oh, wow. out of out of that sort of pain that we went through, you go, you know what, well, I, I I don't want anybody else to go through that as well. So there's there's ways around it, but that's also telling your friends that, hey, like I'm here and it's it's okay. It's okay to ask for help because I'll be here within a heartbeat, like you said, you know. So I guess yeah. I, I guess what did I take out of it was yeah, it, it's there's there's no shame. There's no guilt in asking for help. And if specifically if you want to be that that parent that you're aspiring to be, then you, you got to bring other people along on the journey with you. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, mate. I love that. I love that. What would you add? I love the idea of the meal train. I think that's fantastic. Um, mm. For new dads, though, because new mums often, and I know this is this is no disrespect to the mums in the house, but new mums often get the bulk of the attention, rightly so, because mm. they're the one that have just, you know, carried the bub for nine months and then popped out this baby and then, uh, you know, breastfeeding and up all hours of the day and night and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. what would you suggest? Like if, if we were going to kind of brainstorm or spitball a few different ideas now that could support dads through the same process, what would you say? Because I feel like this is not, it's not unique to you and me going through a challenging time, either our partners or ourselves after a new child arrives, what's something that you could say to the dads that are listening to this that have a partner who's expecting or would have a young child sort of similar age to Violet or something like that? Mm. What would you suggest we could do? What are some ideas of how we can encourage this kind of same behaviour to support the men? Yeah, good, really good question. Um, well, I guess... While we're at it, let's Ask just like solve world hunger and, and climate change as well. <laughs> I reckon. Why not? Let's, let's give it a go. Um, yeah, I, I Sorry, just think I just it's important. Sorry, I just realised the scope of the question. Like, far out, no. I'm asking too much, I? <laughs> no, it's good. I'll do my best. I'll do my best. But maybe just in the back of your mind, what, like, what lights you up? Like, what, what do you feel that you need to do? That brings you joy and happiness and whatever you know as a as a guy like in a solitary pursuit outside of the family right so could be surfing you know could be having beers could be playing pool whatever i think it's really important that you you take time for you like i i, I totally mm. get it that you know the mums are going through this like and they're bearing the bulk of the responsibility but to be the support that you want to be, you need to let off steam. You need to, you need to talk to people about this as well. So I think, you know, for guys, I think it's best when you get together and you go and I don't know, this is generalizing, but have a few beers, play some pool, and just have a chat. You know, like take your mind off things. Or if if you're mm. into surfing or you know that kind of thing, it's like nothing better than just go paddle out in the waves and just forget about things for a little while and then. So you come back in and get in the car and get back home. So I think it's I love really that. important. It's like, um, mm. yeah, yeah, go, go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, it's like, it's like prioritizing joy or play for ourselves, mm. you know, so that like acknowledging too, that it doesn't mean we're not being responsible. And I suppose this is like a sort of it's another another angle or another lens on the overall conversation about when it comes to self-care, it's actually being of service to the people in our lives when we really look after ourselves so we can be our best. And so this this situation of being a brand yeah. new parent, of 
wanting to support your wife and your daughter as best you can. And, you know, also, I mean, we haven't even touched on, we probably run out of time for that as, as far as going into what it's like balancing all of that and a really demanding kind of job or career path where you've got a lot of different responsibilities to wear there too. But, but it's like that thing of when we are prioritizing ourselves, it doesn't mean we're being an irresponsible husband or father. It doesn't mean we're being really selfish. What it means is we're actually giving ourselves what we need to recharge our own batteries so we can show up better for the people we love. Yeah, that's that's great. And and it comes back to, like you said before, awareness of these stories, right? It's like mm. when these little invaders are coming in and trying to tell you, like, you know, what's going on or what you should be doing, it's like you just really need to dig in there and just say, no, nah, this is just a story. Like, I let this go. Uh, like, you just got to be really, uh, I guess, um, What's the word? You just got to be really proactive just to let that go. And I'll tell you one sto- one quick story that that I did, and and mm. this might help your listeners to just go, "What an idiot! Why'd you do that?" <laughs> when the, the first <laughs> the first days I got home from um, Bubba being born, like the house was a bit of a mess, you know. And Charlotte really appreciates a clean house, so I went home, and friends of ours who are having the baby cat. She was looking after our dog, so I went home, baked some bread, mowed the lawns, cleaned the house, and went back, got Bubba and brought her home. And after that happened, I just, like my body was just, I don't know, it just caved in and I got like the flu, basically. And I was out, man. Oh, like wow. I was out for like mm. three to four days or couldn't get up, and so Charlotte's folks were there. And I was because I was in that overdoing mode. I got to do this. Got to do that. I got to right. got to be the man of the house. Got to be that. Got to be, and and it, all it did was just it just wore me out. And so, yeah, I, I guess just take some advice. <laughs> and I and I I, I spoke it out about it before. You you need to experience these things before you really know. But I don't know if it's any consolation. Just yeah, just take it easy because. I've been there and, and it wasn't easy. I didn't I didn't make it easy for myself. I only made it hard. So yeah, take mm. some advice. <laughs> <laughs> I think if there's anything that people can take away from this, it's absolutely that like or, or one of the things I look at as well is that it's um the one of the reasons I'm having these chats, I suppose, is is really the the point is that if we can make the the journey slightly softer and a little bit easier and a little bit less difficult by having these open conversations, you know, for other dads and, and soon-to-be dads that might be listening to go, you know, you don't have to grind yourself into the ground to recognise that there's a different no. way of doing things because we've done that, both of us, like you said, you know, you pushed so hard that you blew out for four days with the flu. Like, I get that, you know, I've been there too where you just yeah. overdo, you kind of hyperactive, don't take care of yourself, suddenly wind up at the bottom of like a complete burnout. Um, yeah. You know, that's... I would love for the, for the men listening to this to recognize, oh, okay, so these guys are not really that different from me and they've gone through some stuff and they've made some mistakes and this is an opportunity for me to learn that lesson without making the mistake and having the big fall. So obviously yeah. we all have limits and we don't mind pushing and testing a little bit to see how far we can go to get away with it. But like you say, if we're able to pause, slow down, look after ourselves a little bit better, it's going to ultimately lead to a healthier environment a better relationship and a better ability to be the dad and the husband that we want to be in the household so yeah oh, totally. so, so much good stuff <laughs> mate i reckon i reckon we should probably wrap this up for those of you listening you may not be aware thanks to the joys of editing but we've had no bloody <laughs> internet problems trying to get this this episode resolved so that we might quit while we're ahead we've got a bit of stability at the internet at this point um, oh, yeah, nice. My God, it's been such fun chatting with you, Scott. I'm really grateful for your insights and your openness to share how you went, how, how Charlotte went, you know, what it's been like for the first couple of years of Violet's life and everything you said about, you know, asking for help and about identifying stories and all of that. And I mean, you and I both know and love Jim Fortin's program mm. about all of this and so much more. For those of you listening, yeah. there is actually um, an episode I go into where I dig really deep into stories and storytelling and how to spot them. I'll link to that in the show notes for us. Um, and Scott, I'm also 
really aware that in your work as an artist, part of it is about building awareness and exposure. So uh, what would you like to tell people about how they can connect up with you and learn more about what you do outside of this chat? Yeah, firstly, thanks so much, Israel. It's, it's definitely been enlightening for me just going back over the those experiences, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, right, that, that's what happened, you know, it's been great. And so, and, and, and also to, to pat yourself on the back and just go, you know what, you're doing a good job. It's, it's, everything's fine. So, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, on your program. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and for those of you who want to see my stuff, it's basically uh, I've got a website. It's just scottrailer.com. S-C-O-T-T-R-A-Y-L-O-R.com. Jump on there. You know, you can you can reach me through the, the About page there. Um, and also, too, I've got uh, a podcast that um, I've just started with a, another fellow TCPA called Align Dads, and we talk about the difficulties of raising a daughter. So if you're having a daughter and, and you want to um, learn by our experiences and what we share, you know, um, jump on, have a listen, you know, because there's there's – tons of content and stories about raising a daughter specifically but it's not only daughters it's about being a dad you know and the responsibilities around that so yeah thanks very much Israel I really appreciate it and I know too oh it's it's been my pleasure mate and I know too with your podcast it's with um with Prashant and what's beautiful that I'm, I'm quite looking forward to digging in some more is because you're obviously in Brisbane in Australia Prashant in Bangalore in India completely yeah. different cultural context, completely different, you know, social and environmental context. And so there's a beautiful contrast, I'm sure, that comes up in the chats between you both about, you know, what you are expected or what is expected of yeah. you in those different settings. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And in particular, there's one to come out. It's about potty training. It's hilarious because I didn't realize that, you know, <laughs> there's certain cultural things, right, that go on in India and they, and they don't see these certain things that we see. And so it's actually hilarious. I just went into a full story wow, about, awesome. you know, uh, an experience that that I have with Violet and Prashant's just kind of wide-eyed, like kind of like laughing. That was great, you know, but it was kind of like, <laughs> shit, I've, I've crossed a, a cultural boundary here. <laughs> so it, it's beautiful, though, you right. know, it's getting, it's getting to see these, these differences that we have, but also just knowing that we're actually all the same. It's all connected. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's really fun. Oh, I reckon that's a great place to leave it. We're all the same. We're all doing our best to be our best for yeah. the people we love and care about, no matter which part of the planet we're on. And, um, you yeah. know, I think it's yeah. important for us men to keep holding spaces like this to support other men so we can all just up-level and be a better version of ourselves. So on that, thanks again, Scott, for, for being here. And to everyone listening, please stay tuned for the next episode. We've got heaps more great chats coming up. It's our pleasure to be here and... Let's keep on this uh, fun adventure of how can we as dads be our best and thrive. Thanks so much. We'll see you next episode. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Illuminating Lives podcast. Please help me reach more people by sharing this podcast with your loved ones and leaving me a great five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Remember, I work as a one-to-one -one coach and professional speaker, helping dads in business and leadership find more peace, feel less stress, and be the best parent, husband, and leader they can be. If you'd like to work with me or have me present to your organization, please contact me via my website or social media. All the links are in the show notes. Until next time, may you be free. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be loved. And may you live with ease.